Today's episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Internet service providers in the United States have been known to sell data to ad companies. In the United Kingdom and Australia, internet service providers are required to keep logs of the websites you visit. Certain countries even restrict and censor certain websites and content. As our listeners know, security is paramount when it comes to cryptocurrency. ExpressVPN is the industry standard that puts a stop to all of this while ensuring the security and privacy of not only your browsing history, but your wallet connections. Utilizing data encryption and IP masking, ExpressVPN gives users peace of mind no matter what part of the world you're in. My listeners can go to www.expressvpn.com slash mohawk, M-O-H-A-W-K. That's expressvpn.com slash mohawk to see how you can get three months free of the best VPN subscription service available. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Mohawk Mandate. I'm your host, Mr. Mohawk. Joining me today from the Cosmos, Sefi. Sefi, thanks, buddy. Appreciate you taking the time, man. Yep, sounds good. Uh, we'll get rolling. Good. So with you know my exposure to you, uh, I was able to connect um, with you through um, following along with the Cosmos, um, a little bit of Luna stuff, uh, way, way, way back. Um, and you know, I know a little bit about your background, but before we get into you know, the more crypto centric stuff, I guess you could say, uh, I'd love to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about your background and, you know, what, what led you to uh, crypto as a whole. Yeah. Um, I've been kind of playing with computers, uh, since I was a kid and, um, like back, you know, since the, early days of, I don't know, 8086 Intel chips and Apple II, you know, like early devices and things like that. And then um, really went through the entire sort of like arc of uh, what we consider like modern home computing, I guess. Um, so that kind of gives you an idea of like that I've been around a bit. Right. Um, uh, early on, I remember as a kid kind of enjoying like some of the early video games and things I liked the idea that you push a button on the keyboard, like, you know, shit happens on the screen, you know, it's like, uh, getting in, getting into a little bit of really, really early, I guess, computer graphics as a kid and having fun with that was always fun. Um, and growing up, uh, I had the kind of privilege of being in schools that l largely just let me play the whole day. Um, and I'm not kidding, just largely just play, play around. Um, and what that allowed me to do is, uh, learn about lots of different things, uh, by just sort of like messing around and learning that kind of environment's really good for like naturally curious, curious people. Right. Uh, you know, where I would wake up in the morning with a docket of projects in my mind of what I need to, I wanted to do. And then like, by the time I, you know, get to bed at night, you know, like, there was uh, there's still stuff ready for the next morning kind of a thing. So right. I've always been kind of productive in this way and always kind of thinking about things, building physical models, building computer things and robots and I don't know, you like circuit boards, you name it, like uh, really hands on for many years. Uh, just messing. So always been sort of like a techie in that sense. Um, 
I've gone down the rabbit holes of like everything from like, um, you know, uh, you know, audiophilia, you know, acoustics to um, I've had uh, a pretty extensive experience at a young age with really advanced computers, fairly expensive computers in the house just because of um, some of the things that, uh, you know, our family business used to do as far as um, desktop publishing and printing and a lot of other things. Okay. So, Very cool. so basically got, you know, in, you know, early into, you know, like when, for example, some of the, the more advanced Apple computers came out and desktop publishing became a thing, for example, it took fairly expensive computers to do all of that. And, um, so I had access to really fairly powerful stuff, um, well ahead of most people, I would say my age. Uh, as a result of that, probably most people on the entire planet's age, quite at that age, quite frankly. Um, I mean, like legitimately. Right. Um, so that was kind of interesting. And I'd, I'd be able to go to conferences and things where, you know, really expensive machines are used and stuff like that and related to, you know, family business. And so, yeah, I kind of just, you know, went kicking and screaming into the into the computer age in a sense and um, sort of grew up with it. Um, I, I enjoyed, as time went on, things like video games um, that emerged first on, you know, early platforms like, you know, Atari and all those things you can imagine. And then early computer games as well on Apple and PC and whatever else, right? Like that, all that um, history of like everything from role-playing games, to action games, you name it, like used to play with those things. Um, I also remember the time when, you know, sound cards became a thing, right? Like uh you know like all the stuff that we're used to using now and just playing around with to do podcasts and whatever right all that stuff like emerged like over time and i remember synthesizing music for a while on some of the early devices and like using some of the early like tracker software and shit where you can create like little synthesized tracks and things uh using sampling and whatever so yeah like all sorts of little rabbit holes i've gone down in the computing age so to speak um, and then, like, particularly when games um, started becoming a little bit more online, first with modems, and then subsequently with broadband internet, which is like kind of late 90s, um, I uh, had some access to broadband and such earlier than most because I had friends in university settings and this and that that had some really um, like advanced internet connections for back in the day stuff that you have in your house now, but you take for completely for granted was like right. something you'd only find going to a major university and hooked up to a, like a T one trunk line at a, at a, at like a university that has like, you know, a serious, uh, you know, serious bandwidth or whatever. Anyway. So yeah, like a lot of interesting early experiences playing with things and talking with people and being around people that all love this sort of shit. Right. Um, I remember like as broadband came along and like, so getting into sort of like where do we where does crypto fit into this so like my earliest sort of foray into sort of like um computers and the idea of money was really early um uh early mmo games essentially like so things like ultima online you might recall maybe if you're old enough um things like everquest um everquest was a game that um came right after ultima online um, RuneScape was around 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 that same time, and both EverQuest and RuneScape both had really pretty robust like game economies. Where 
you know, you kill monsters, you get gold, you know, you use that gold to buy shit with it, like little swords and rocks and things. Right. And then you turn those things and had crafting and, you know, the, the beginnings of sort of like modern video games, um, modern online games started around then. And then a lot of game design at the time went into doing things like creating in-game economies or fun to play. And um, at the time, uh, one of the interesting sort of anecdotes is sort of like I was in one of the not one of it was the biggest guild and I was one of the top characters or whatever in like the most advanced levels or whatever you call it in the game of EverQuest in the first couple of years. And um, I learned a lot because uh, and this was purely by chance, by the way, it wasn't like, you know, I was just playing and met some friends and they met some friends. The next thing you know, we're in this guild. And um, it's just one of the smartest groups of people I've ever met. And uh, we were just kicking ass at this video game. <laughs> and uh, it so turned out like that's around the time when um, people started selling video game assets on eBay. Okay. So this is like late, this is like 99, 2000. This is long before anything that you'd consider like, um, you know, a crypto economy or an NFT right. economy like you think of today. So what we would do is like, okay, examples of that would be um, – uh, people would like mine for gold in RuneScape or in um, in EverQuest or whatever. They'd get packets of gold, like let's say fifty thousand gold, hundred thousand gold, and they'd sell it to people on eBay for whatever the, they're willing to pay for it. So you kind of have like this price discovery process that happens. You know how much is a hundred thousand gold in EverQuest worth in terms of time and effort? Right. Well, it depends on what the market's willing to pay, right? So like ultimately, there's like a supply demand equilibrium that emerges, and then like so certain pricing happens. Um, I happened to have like on eBay at the time, like, well, so what happened was I was too, I was too, um, like late nineties. I was like way too, I think it was like 2000 maybe. And I was way too in love with playing this game. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just totally fucking addicted to this thing. It's a waste of my time. What the hell am I doing? Right? Like, I don't know if everyone has that like moment in, in these games where like, yeah. Jesus Christ, like I have, how many days played do I have on this goddamn thing? Right? Like a year or something, yeah. something obnoxious. Probably some of that I fell asleep during it, but you know, the point is, like, a, a huge amount of time played, and of course, like, to be at the top of the game and all that was like serious nerddom, right? And um, did all that, and and ultimately, I'm like, I'm gonna rage quit this thing, and I'm gonna sell my character on eBay because otherwise, I'm just not gonna quit. Like, I'm just not gonna stop. Right. Back then, you could transfer an account to somebody, and they could just put their credit card number in, and they could take over the actual game, right? So, like, you can't do that anymore. It's mostly like bound to your credit card bound to your name now yeah whereas before you could actually transfer your whole account to somebody for a lot of these games so what what i, I think i sold it for like right around five thousand bucks and at the oh, time wow. that was a shit ton of money yeah. for a kid like um i was um at the time in um medical school my fourth year so like uh, that's usually a year in school where you have a lot of time on your hands you don't have as much to do um and um so, like, here I am, you know, studying to be going to medical, and I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna have time to do this shit when I'm a resident and all that in the coming year. So let's 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 rage quit by selling this account character. I remember getting a message from a, a, a CNN online or something where they messaged me and they're like, Hey, we we noticed your. They sent this message to my eBay account. Say, hey, we noticed you won this uh, sale of you know this character or whatever. Can you describe to us what the hell this is? Right. Like it was unusual because it was such a large amount of money at the time for, you know, something so silly as like a video game yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? Like that was a whole thing. So that was like it was one of the kind of those moments where you're like, wait a minute. Uh, like, well, digital assets, 
or the proof of work that comes from creating like video game gold or I don't know, video game accounts or characters, or whatever, like people are willing to pay for this shit, right? Like that's a whole epiphany at that point. So, you know, that was a common thing in EverQuest. It was RuneScape and other things. And you'd hear stories about like, you know, in China of like, uh, you know, prisoners and shit mining for RuneScape and EverQuest gold, <laughs> you know, like they'll give them a little computer yeah. and make them mine for it. And the, the wardens or whoever the fuck would make money off this thing, right? Like they would, you know, they would um you know have the prisoners make money for them it's just strange so um but yeah like it's a weird like, i'm sure there's like some sort of labor law violations that go on with that right so like <laughs> so there's all these weird like ethical dilemmas that emerge from like computer proof of work and i think some of this was recognized like even recently in like the crypto nft gaming space and all that stuff right mm-hmm. the so-called uh the work to earn and all that stuff or work or play to earn or whatever you want to call it yeah all these Ponzi schemes. Yeah. So like all these concepts of tokenomics and uh, proof of work, all of this emerged really in the, the network effect gaming space of the late nineties, early two thousands. And this is like a lot of the sort of things that informed uh, the production of uh, the Bitcoin white paper, for example. Um, And then, and then of course, like a lot of other things beyond that um, Ethereum and other things that have come afterwards. So really interesting history. And I think, um, you know, I, I think I, I am interested in this sort of thing from a technical perspective. I'm interested in it from like a pure, um, like what it can and can't do for humanity perspective. Um, I think about technology from like how it might help the particular field I'm in, which is more medical. Um, yeah. So just kind of think about this from so many different angles and like you might ask, well, if I was in so much tech and whatever other shit, like why did I go into medical necessarily? I think it was a fundamentally lazy choice, honestly, because like to be an entrepreneur and everything is a much like more risky business. A lot of people fail at that. And I think from where my parents, like, you know, their early beginnings and everything else, I think in our family, we tend to favor like a bird in the hand instead of two in the bush to some extent. Okay. And so like, I'm smart enough. I could easily get into the medical side of things. I was able to skip years of high school and college or whatever and get in really, really early. So I was really a kid when I started. And when you do that, like, you know, at least you're monetarily, um, you're, you're, you're financially sound. Right. And then you can do all sorts of projects and fuck around after that. Like, so that's kind of my history a little bit. And then, you know, and then getting into crypto and all, um, I don't know. It just it just sort of fell into place because I was always playing with this sort of thing. It's it's always so interesting to hear people that that grew up and, and enjoyed video games, obviously the way that you did, um, the way that I'd like to think that I did. Uh, my first experience was uh, the Diablo money market, so my uh, epiphany came a little bit after uh, after yours, but. It's it's very cool hearing gamers that had that opportunity, uh, especially in MMO RPGs, where there is that dynamic of an actual ecosystem or, or an actual economy that's built into the game a little bit beyond what we what we see now. That's more mainstream, like you know, with Call of Duty or Destiny's for example, it's like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the digital assets with skins and, and cosmetics and things like that. But with the MMO stuff, it's, uh, you know, it's that entirety of the, uh, you know, in-game economy that is, it's a very unique perspective that it adds. So um, that's, that's really yeah, cool, and you can, man. 
you can really like it's weird because that there was a big evolution of all of that right like mm-hmm. in the begin, like what happened was ultimately that whole ebay thing with everquest got shut down it got banned because the the company variant entertainment that was uh, running that show they felt like the game was being ruined because you'd have people that didn't earn certain things get certain things which then changed the dynamic of like what a flex that like let's say there's some wizard robe and you only got it through like you know beating dragon you know uber dragon x or whatever like you know and you got this thing because you paid for it on ebay instead right it ruins it as a flex as a show-off item in the game and it sort of ruins the game for people and it ruins incentive structure so yeah external game economies and and how they like or or real dollar value economies and how they influence in-game economies and people's behavior was super super fascinating like there is a there's a real like significant like amount of sociology sociology and psychology you could sort of put together like papers on the whole thing all those like but witnessing that history was really interesting to me um just like how the game manufacturers decided to pivot and then how players pivot and then how then game manufacturers pivot again and all of that like and even to this day right like most video game companies do not have a like uh you know they don't explicitly have a pay for play type arrangement where, right. you know, you can, you know, you can get skins and things like that, but it quickly devolves if you can buy too much of the in-game stuff. Right. Yeah. It, and what I noticed about this is it's like a lesson about life. If you, if you are paying real world dollars for your video game assets and you know how, like there was a whole string of those type of games where on iPad and whatever. And Oh, like if, if I pay 10 bucks, you know, I get like, <laughs> I can save myself grind for like, you know, a hundred hours or something. Right. So what happens is, is you say, what you say to yourself, wait at work, you know, I make, you know, 50 bucks an hour mm-hmm. and, you know, I can save myself, you know, five hours of time over here. If I just, <laughs> you know, it'll, if I go and just simply work for this exact same thing. So what ends up happening is it ruins the game experience because, now what happens is is you are mentally tying your real world work for what you can get in the game and then fundamentally that system is broken outside of like maybe the most obsessive people right so you've met people in these gaming spaces where i remember i don't remember which one it was one of these pay to play type not pay to play but you know like pay to upgrade type yeah, of yeah, yeah. type of thing like you know uh, what i mean clash like clash of clans crap yeah Yeah, and i talked to i talked to a guy that was playing one of those games and i was just playing with one of those for a little while um against my better judgment um and i played one of those things for a while and like this guy had spent like a hundred grand on in-game shit i'm I'm like really you know what i mean like a hundred grand i'm just like okay like i'm not poor or anything but like i'm not gonna blow a hundred grand on that i'd rather throw it at charity or something i mean jesus christ like you're buying what on the thing so like yeah that was a really weird awakening when you started seeing not only that people are willing to pay me five thousand bucks in 1999 or 2000 for for a game character but later on people paying obnoxious amounts of money to companies that were monetizing those types of people super interesting though like that human beings would actually do this right, right. i it, like they would actually pay a hundred grand for this weird i always think of the south park episode of uh stan who you know similar situation he, he blows uh like 50 grand on the you know whatever game that they made up to replicate these uh you know click per pay 
you know, you buy your gold coins, or your diamonds, and you spend them on a builder and upgrading and, and all that crap. Um, but it's, it's almost yeah. like that type of stuff. It, it becomes an addiction at that point. Yeah. And interestingly, like, uh, you know, and some of the things that you think would be making money are, are not always the things that make money. Like, it, which is also a weird thing. Like, take, for example, like EverQuest or and all the games that came afterwards, World of Warcraft and yep. all the other first person type games. An increasing theme, obviously, over the past 20 years has been increasing like graphics quality and that type of immersiveness. Right. But it wasn't always the most like graphically immersive game that made the best game at all. Like you could have even to this day, most games don't beat EverQuest and you can still play the thing. It's still available like 20 expansions later. Um, a lot of times it's not the uh, immersiveness of the graphics. There's certain certain elements of the magic of the game theory that ultimately make these things really, really uh, obsessively played and fun and all of those type of things. Like what makes something fun is a really tricky thing. And, you know, without getting into a deep thing on game theory or whatever, um, what I noticed over that time was like how some of the stupidest things attracted that much money, like the fucking Kim Kardashian game. What the hell is that? Right. What is the like, you know, people like buying in-game like fashion and whatever, like pants and sunglasses or whatever the hell else is in that game. And the, that uh, the Kardashians made an obnoxious amount of money on that game, like hundreds of millions of dollars. The... I'm like I'm like what the hell? And they didn't have to build any of the shit that the right. really really interesting games actually had to build, right? Like, and then they made more money though. It's weird. It's it's always interesting where some of the nuances that developer studios they pay attention to to every minute detail, right? And then you know <laughs> that's a, a brilliant example because I mean that it was a a shitty platform. It was a shitty game, but with how much money they made off it, it really goes to show what people, I guess, prioritize on, you know. Right, it's, and, it yeah. tells you more about, yeah, the public and and what the people are about as opposed to sort of like what the game is about um, and, and what does the, what does the end user get out of that exactly, right? Like you, you mentioned Diablo and Diablo and Blizzard. One of the guys I actually um, played with uh, in EverQuest, the, the guild leader and stuff, became one of the lead lead developers for um for uh, world of warcraft and, and blizzard and um he wasn't particularly involved directly with world of warcraft but i just remembered like i just sort of like bring him up only because like this is the kind of people we were hanging out with at the time and uh the world uh, the 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 um diablo game like is a really 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 fine-tuned like min max optimizer like yep you know, build game and, you know, Diablo four just came out like in beta this last weekend um, for a reference. And I was kind of playing around on that for a little bit, but um, just imagine how much fine tuning that game needs to make that work and make it playable and make it really good and have it balanced and all that other shit. And then, the, and then look at the Kim Kardashian game and you're like, wait a minute, like people paid for this, but they paid even more for that for the amount of ROI involved. Very strange. So they get, yeah, you learn a lot about human nature uh, through all of this and then um as as things kind of progressed over the years like there was graphics improvements and of course networking improvements and yeah. people innovated in terms of like what they could sell and monetize like skins and this and that like you mentioned um and then as time went on it became obvious that like 
games like Skyrim and others where the community ends up building a lot of the game worlds, right? I, you must, you, I'm sure you've like looked at some of these things where, where like the community can use a toolkit and pretty much put together a game world, um, like extra levels, extra areas. And the, the hardcore gamers of the Skyrim, um, like community or whatever, Mm -hmm. put together huge amounts of content that, you know, maybe even bigger than the actual game itself. And, um, you know, ultimately like this idea that crypto could be the sort of like, um, monetary glue that puts together things like, um, like, 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 let's say you take, um, instead of pay to, uh, you know how games had like, um, play to earn, which doesn't make sense. Cause like, who's going to pay you to play indefinitely. Right. Pay to create though, could be a very, very like, um, useful thing, right? Like that's basically called work, but <laughs> basically like <laughs> pay to create would be like, uh, a person who's providing like entertainment within the game, like let's say a bartender or a, you know, or whatever, right? Like yeah. a teacher or something like that, that would be someone you might actually pay actual money uh, for services within a game environment. Um, and you might have things like people that create levels, but on commission in a sense, like I really, really, really love this game. I'd be willing to pay a hundred grand if you build me like a, a massive new section for it. And I think everyone's going to love it and I'm rich and I don't have, I have money to waste or something like that. Like, yeah. but I think those types of worlds and, and, you know, start to become possible. And then, you know, that's when everyone started talking metaverse, metaverse, metaverse. It became kind of this new, like a thematic idea, but like we've been playing in metaverses in a way since the invention of hieroglyphics in a sense, like I kind of look at all of this arc of history as any sort of non bylaw and, and as a, like a, as a medical person and whatever, like I look at this from the perspective of biology, I say to me, like any kind of non biological method of communication, right? Like if you're a dog, you bark, you have ears, you can listen to the barking. Mm-hmm. If you maybe respond to light, you use your five senses, you use your speech, you use your hands, you, so you have certain ways of expressing yourself. The minute like man started writing shit on cave walls and, you know, writing hashes on the, on the, in the dirt, you know, to denote, denote like certain amounts or something like that. Mm-hmm. Writing became like the beginning of the metaverse in a sense, because now like you could walk into a cave with paintings in it and go, okay, I can see what's happened over here. Okay. Like these people, they killed Buffalo or whatever it is. And, um, you know, I'm now living in this like mm, non-biological universe where this cave world is sort of, you know, <laughs> it's, it's its own thing. And these cave paintings have certain meaning. So I think that this metaverse idea has been really since the beginning of like maybe physical writing of some sort. And since then it's emerging um, ultimately now to add this AI element to it. Um, but we've already been in the metaverse. Like we, it, it's just been like, you know, even phone calls, telegraphs, right? Right. All of that was sort of a metaverse in a sense um, conversations across space uh, that didn't require you to travel to certain places. Um, conversations that you and me are having over a telephone, let's say. And, you know, most of the universe doesn't know that that conversation has happened. Right. right? So it's, its own little pocket universe in a sense, a, a pocket of information that nobody like knows has happened. So all my friends and me that played on EverQuest for God knows how long, 
right? Like it's that was a little metaverse in a sense. Yeah. And um, I don't think we have to have like a buzzword for it, really. It's just it is just life in the digital age. It's in a, a sense like it's a really. I, like, I, I don't think that I've had anyone explain the potential for a metaverse in that way. And I, I, I actually agree because if you think about it, it w- what is the metaverse supposed to be? It's supposed to offer a user experience outside of our day-to-day, right? So you take in the interactions, uh, you know, that we have, like going to a bar and, you know, you buy a drink off the bartender, you put that in the metaverse. It's, you know, that same type of interaction, but you're creating that user experience. Having, you know, to, to touch on what you said about the, the cave drawings, that was like their, you know, their, their most rudimentary form of entertainment and like their movies, right? So you're creating that type of uh, experience, which again, I, I'm very fascinated. Yeah. By and, that I, and I don't think the experiences have to feel artificial necessarily. Right. I, I think like, I think you'll have converse, like today people do telemedicine. They have conversations, with their psychiatrist or something over uh, very similar to the conversation we're having now, mm-hmm. for example. Um, you know, it, you're like in to your brain though, right? Like, is that person actually real or not? In the same way, a person standing right in front of you is real that you can, you know, shake their hand, right. touch their face or whatever. Like, I, you know, in your head, you've already conceded that like that person in front of you is not, it's a projection of their voice. It's gone through electrons over God knows where, and it just emerges here, but you're perfectly fine believing that it's real. Right. right. Like, so the, the interesting thing happening now is of course, like metaverses are becoming more and more like photographic realistic of course like we've seen what unreal engine 5 can do we've seen what like the latest release the last couple of weeks of mid journey 5 in terms of just regenerative like generative ai art can do um all of that is like blending together into this like weird situation where like what we used to play as everquest or diablo or whatever like those things are going to be able to be invented on the fly. Like you're going right. to be able to say, Hey, I want a video game kind of like EverQuest, but I want it with the graphics quality of like the Simpsons. And I want to be able to like, I want a game economy that can handle like maybe a million people on a server. And I want, right. Like you can yeah. kind of like lay it out and the thing's going to make this thing for you. And right. Which is crazy. Yeah. That's, with where AI is at now, and I, I know that you've been paying attention to a lot of this stuff, and I, I definitely want to circle back on that with you. But um, with, you know, you talked a little bit about like modded servers and how Skyrim, it has the base game, but now there there's an entire player base that will only play in certain like modded servers, so to speak, with with, right. with added content. And I think that's one of the most... Uh, unbelievable things where we originally thought you know a, a game was released and that was the game right now with downloadable content and these expansions that we have it's it's a game that is never ending so having a community that is enthusiastic about a game and giving them the opportunity to put their own spin on it and having other individuals within that community partake in their spin i think it's a it was it it opened up so many doors from what we thought 
traditional gaming was to gaming five, ten years ago to now what Web3 as a whole and crypto as a whole is trying to incorporate into the gaming scene. And I think it was a very functional progression and a really good understanding for people with gaming backgrounds to see why the potential to monetize that type of work outside of you know that traditional realm is very important and there's a huge opportunity for it oh yeah i mean you can imagine like some fraction of money that would have otherwise gone to something like a hollywood for example or maybe to the music industry mm-hmm. um these times people are spending in these various uh game environments those are all hours and days or whatever that they would have spent somewhere else too so yeah i think most definitely people are going to at least for the time being, have been uh, at different levels monetizing that um, outside of just being a AAA game developer or something right. like that. Um, but then, you know, there's 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 just like this interesting paradigm shift, I think, that's about to happen. I mean, I don't know if you've seen like games like, um, uh, let's see, uh, like No Man's Sky, for example, yep. which is like a generative platform where every planet you go to gets created like on the fly algorithmically that's a little bit of the beginning of that but just imagine that but like now with you know ai the interior decor of every every building can be created entire cities can be just like you know created out of thin air (laughs) within moments right it's it's not even like it's like taking take for example you go on minecraft and you might see like the landscape you know how it generates spontaneously a landscape right but imagine that but it generates way deeper than that right you have npcs with gpt4 capabilities you have like the npcs themselves generate quests out of thin air right they tell you to go do this they tell you that and they kind of generate games themselves you have maybe things like um yeah entire landscape cities buildings structures i mean like uh, to the point where now it's gotten to the level where like you could have architecture software build you an actual real world building with ai pretty soon like with everything we're talking about plumbing plans electrical that works right. so like the real world and the sort of like uh, 3D world in, in, in the computer space is, is merging quite quickly in the sense that like um, a lot of the production environment for all sorts of real world things is now going into that space, which, yeah. So like what's a game and what isn't, what is real, what isn't like, this is going to be the very interesting thing in our time. And I, I think as I was growing up too, like um, I was a little older by then, but like the matrix movies of course came out. Yeah. And a whole host of other movies that sort of like talk about tech. There's a lot of old things out there too, like Isaac Asimov and uh, Robert Heinlein and, um, you know, so many authors, uh, Arthur C. Clarke and whatever. A lot of authors have been telling stories about the advent of like the computer age and what will happen with, you know, things like AI and robots and whatever else. So like I was exposed to all of that for many, many years. And then, but I think certainly the Matrix series was a bit of a wake up call as well. It's like, wait, like we got to think of this even deeper and deeper. And then if you haven't thought of it deep enough, you need to go even deeper than that. Cause Holy shit. Like, you know, like everything's going to change. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and because I deal with a lot of people, um, generally in my line of work, um, and I deal with a lot of people, a lot of emotions, a lot of death, destruction and all the other chaos right. you can imagine. I have an interesting life in that respect. Um, I, I can see how, all of these things that are emerging are going to sort of like deeply affect us. 
so from a general humanities perspective, I think it's not a surprise that like after the age of the internet began, when you include a mixture of things like time spent in gaming, time spent on things like social media, time spent on things like, um, um, well, and increasingly spent on things like just internet porn and stuff that, that people kind of, you know, get involved with, right. like all of that put together has had a serious impact on like the Western world and like actual people having children. Like that's yeah. the weird, like nobody can ever put their finger in the exact one thing why the birth rates are just falling and falling and how, why so few people are having sex and why all of that's going on. But I have a pretty good feeling about it. Just being in both the tech side of things and watching that play out. And then watching it play out from a medicine side of things and knowing how people behave, yep. right? Like, and you put those two things together and you're like, holy shit, like we're in an interesting time coming up. I would love and, to um, see what, <laughs> what like percentage of, a, you know, just for the average person, the average screen time per day that people spend on their phone, they can get the entire human experience at their fingertips just on, on their phone. And I think that that's, a, oh, yeah. you know, I think that as, as a whole, that is, you know, kind of to your point, I think that that is taking away from the human experience in general. But, you know, the the one thing yeah, it's is adding like some the, things and right. subtracting other things. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there, yeah. There's, it's all pros and cons. I'm not arguing it's all negative or anything like that. Like even the Internet, like if you look at how much shit we have available to us at, on our, at our fingertips, like we have enough information at our fingertips on our smartphones that like even a uh, hundred years ago, people would have like invaded continents for. Yeah. Right. Like, that's yeah. how much power we're talking about. It's unbelievable amounts of information, like in everything from science, medicine, money, like you name the subject. Right. And one of the interesting paradoxes besides us, everyone having less sex uh, is like there's this uh, interesting paradox where um, it, it like what's the way to say it? The other interesting paradox is that we have so much information, but we don't necessarily have a dramatically increased ability to use that information effectively right. either. The capacity so, to like, properly understand it. As, like, yeah, a, a maybe, general maybe whole, part, I guess. part of it's understanding, but part of it is like, I think there's a lot more do-it-yourselfers. Like I'm a do-it-yourselfer myself. I do build a lot of things and create things. Mm -hmm. um, and I learned a tremendous amount um, by just the, the, the sheer amount of crap I can look up on the internet. If I had this as a kid, I would be like, I'd be next level at this point. Like, like it'd be just a totally different human being. But like, uh, as I was growing, uh, as I was getting older and stuff, I was like using all these things pretty effectively as a, like, a, you know, for all sorts of purposes, whether it's medical, whether it's, you know, work around the house or creating businesses, creating buildings, I've designed buildings and other things. So like, I, I think most people, uh, including myself, we don't get anywhere near the max potential usage of this information that uh, could possibly use, right? Like, most of it's just this black box. It's our little smartphone or computer, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the internet has a gargantuan amount of information and none of us put it to much practical usage. And then I see like where open AI is now and where GPT and all these things are. And like, holy shit, these things are synthesizing information at absolute blistering light speed. Yep. And, you know, and I think this is a very, very, very different tech than what we're used to. And I, I think all the warnings are going to come true. Like we could talk oh, about yeah. this. It was a separate thing, but like, 
I think it's like how we've seen technology advance in the let's just say the last 20 years or up until last year. I think it's been more additive rather than multiplicative. What we're seeing, or with... at least, or at least it perceives that way, right? Right. It's going right. sufficiently slow enough. It's like okay, like okay, uh, uh, like I'll give an example. Um, I think it was like around two thousand ish, where maybe I owned, like I don't know, maybe my. I think I so I sold the, I sold my video game character, and I bought like a little stereo for my apartment, um, and um, it was like one of the earliest, like fairly expensive, like Dolby Digital. Oh, you know, yeah, like yeah, surround, yeah, yeah. surround sound things. And I had some little speakers around my apartment and shit. And that was kind of cool. Uh, and I was, it, that was kind of cool. And that, I, I remember that. And I was like, well, you look from there to now how much that stuff is improved. And I would agree with you. Like each time something came out is like additive. Oh, look, it's another channel. Or, hey, the, the sound quality is a little bit better. Or, my CD you know, maybe. used to be able to have one and now it's a. a a wheel that yeah. I can have six CDs the, Yeah, on. the wheel. Yeah, yeah. The resolution got better. And okay, yeah. then it got, ooh, look, computer, I can store my movie on the computer. And then eventually it was just streaming. And like, it happened really quickly though, man. Like, yeah. like it's only been 20 years. It, we make it sound like it's been eons or something, but it was really quick. I mean, even by, like I go to Sam's Club or whatever today and I can buy like an 8K TV for like under five grand. That's right. ridiculous. OLED 5K TV. I mean, like, you could be the king of, like, all of the planet, right, 20 yeah. years ago, and you couldn't get anything like that. Like, you could – it's not even close. The first plasma uh, plasma flat screen mm-hmm. TVs, remember, before we had, yeah. like, flat screen – 200 grand or whatever. <laughs> when they were still this big, they were 5,000 freaking pounds. The back with mm-hmm. all the bulbs and, and all that crap, you know, the, the oh, peak yeah. of TVs, right? They're, you know – thousands and thousands of dollars and look at how much right. better they're at now and like you can get an unbelievable 45 50 inch you know smart tv for like a thousand bucks oh yeah it's like crazy. you can get really good for 400 dollars. oh yeah honestly. yeah yeah if, if i could have back when i was in 2000 what i what you can get now like right. at walmart in the in the dumpster section like that stuff is better than the stuff i used to have but the, my point to this was that all of that even though, like, if you were to show me an 8K TV in 2000 and I looked at that, I'd be like, holy shit, I want that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for sure. I would have lusted after it for sure. But um, I could imagine that something like that could exist because TVs were getting a little bit better incrementally, right? Surround sound and this and that got better. Like, right now I have one of the few, like, I'm probably one of the few people that have, like, a, you know, 20 channel Dolby Atmos, like extreme, like home theater type system, you know, like few people on the planet have something like that even now. And uh, I can see the incremental effect. And I used to be an early adopter for a lot of these types of tech and I'd watch it happen. I'd love to kind of get the new thing. Right. But I think that the current state of AI is like, like it makes all of that look like whatever culturally. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, it's uh, like what my thesis I'm developing now in my head is like, okay, like current state of AI is not like, I don't know what people think of a metaverse is this, that, and the other thing. Current state, we're not even talking about like getting any further from this. Like even if the technology froze in time today, which we know it won't, uh, 
you know, to me, it's like the depth of this could be as deep as money, God, sex and love in terms of like the deepest human cultural effect, meaning nothing is going to be the same again. Countries aren't going to be the same again. Like societies aren't going to be the same. Interactions from people to people can't be the same again. It all changes. It's it goes from an additive to a multiplicative. Now we are in Mm -hmm. an opportunity for it to be exponential. The, totally exponential yeah we are going to to skip so many blocks in between you know being here and say that this is the next step we're oh we're yeah just and the last and 20 years ahead. yeah yeah to wrap back around the last 20 years the whole point of that anecdotal story was that was also exponential but it didn't feel as ultra exponential as right, this does right like this is on a whole nother level where you're like wait shit if I start college today, right, and I finish college in four years, is what I do in four years even going to be relevant? That was not the case in 1999. Right. Right. Like that kind of mindset, like, I don't know, maybe it was for some people. It wasn't for me. But like, I just didn't feel like that would be, it would be so stark and so fast that, um, and you know what? Like the funny thing is I've read all of the different sci-fi that's relevant to this sort of thing. I've watched all the movies. I get it right it can happen really really quickly blah 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 i don't think even with all that pre-preparation mentally i'm prepared for this that's my concern like i don't think the general public has anywhere near how much experience i have in this type of thing like in tech in general or in just these types of fields and understanding of science this that and the other thing and i and even myself i find myself like like unprepared for what this is all about and and that's coming from a situation where my job is likely to be intact compared to a lot of people's mm-hmm. so like even with a you know in a relative quote-unquote sort of like elite status position where it's highly uh, it's highly difficult to sort of eliminate me sort of like even then i'm like i'm not sure what it means for like my kids or or their right. kids or whatever uh it blows me away yeah well it you bring up a good point where you know four years the information could uh, change so quickly. I think in your field, especially with medical, the advances with certain technology or things that we find out research-wise, those are all you know year-to-year changes. With a lot of other fields, I think you know you could use a, a ten-year-old textbook and still have it be true and use that. Oh yeah, it, right. So now. With every field available, and this is how I look at what AI is going to do, and, and you can give me your thoughts on this, I I think that no matter what the field is, that textbooks are going to have to become obsolete because all of the information is going to be changing that quickly where, you know, I it's been 10 years since I've been in uh, college, so... I, I don't know if they even still it, use to, to me. It's like, yeah, people, they still use them to some extent. But like, to me, it's like the only teacher you're going to have, forget about the textbook. Let's just talk about the teachers themselves. The only teacher you're going to have that's going to be able to keep up is going to be your AI teacher. Yeah. Right. So like, you're going to yeah. need an AI just to help you keep up with AI, which is even weirder. Like, you know, so it, I, I've been thinking about that pretty deeply. I'm like, look, if I have, so if a child is born today, and like, you know, they're going to have their little AI assistants, their AI, um, 
you know, friend, whatever that is, um, that's already being built. You know, there's companies doing that. You can play with those things. They're kind of fun. Uh, and this thing's going to teach you things like it's going to throw an SAT word at you every so often. It's going to, you know, it's going to teach you a few things here and there about maybe um, what you didn't know before. And having that on tap 24 seven um, means that you have a person in your peer group, essentially, or a thing in your peer group that many people did not have growing up, like right. a, a constant tutor in a sense. And if it's relatively inexpensive, of course, you're going to use it, right? Like you're going to use this yep. thing to learn. You're going to try to get ahead of other people on your, your test scores or whatever else it is. And the people that use these things effectively and, um, you know, end up, yeah, it changes the entire process of education. So I think about this when I train doctors, for example, like, um, you know, this changes the game board for all of higher education. And it does so quite quickly where no one's prepared. Like people are having meetings and stuff and academic boardrooms and whatever, right. trying to figure out what, how they're going to deal with all this. And nobody knows what they're going to do. And not only that, but most of them are deeply, deeply underprepared for how, how culturally invasive this is, yeah. right? Like they yeah. just think it's like, oh, it's just another tool. We'll change our life a little bit and whatever else, and we will be fine. You know, that kind of thing, right? Like it's yeah. so much deeper than that. And like, not even a, like, if you sound like how I, if you talk how I talk, you'll sound like some kind of sci-fi nerd, like something bad's going to happen all of a sudden or whatever. Um, I just think people just so underprepared. And this includes people like myself. Like I include myself in the unprepared well, in this situation. You, like that. You make such a good point where it's to, to keep up with, the actual technology you have to depend on that same technology to like get you up to speed like your teacher has to be some type of ai integration like whether that's through a human or whether it's just a, an ai teaching but with ai developing on this side from from the consumption side or the consumer side there's going to have to be some type of ai integration that we are dependent on to you know get from the the uh, I guess, learning output vessel and whatever that may be. Yeah, hard, it's super hard to predict this stuff. Yeah. I, I, I was having a conversation about uh, ringtones lately, you know, the little musical ringtones and all that stuff. Yeah. You have the ones that come with your phone and then you could like put little like, you know, country music or whatever the fuck you want on the yeah. thing, you know, you can. And I, I was joking about how like when in a professional setting, people have these wild ringtones, it completely wrecks my train of thought because like I'm thinking about something and then and there's this thing going off. And then, um, you know, like one of the people that work for me or whoever has some wacky ass tone and it just like, you know, throws you off and it's very distracting. Right. Um, and I bring this up and uh, and someone's like, well, that's just because you're old. Because nobody else actually uses the phone for phone calls anymore, right? Like, yeah. like, you know, like you only care about this because you're in a place where people actually phone call you, but the rest of the world doesn't give a shit because they don't actually receive any phone calls, all texting and whatever. Right. And I'm like, hmm, that's that's probably a good point. But like, just notice how deeply cultural, uh, like how much the culture shift texting uh, made just for how we use a phone, right? Like, yeah. and you know, and 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 how yeah people's perception of the thing changes at such breathtaking speed and and that's like it i find it impressive even as someone that tends to be like a technophile right like yeah. someone who's really trying to just keep up all the time 
I love this sort of shit, right? Like, and even I feel like, hmm, it's it's, it's moved pretty quick uh, sometimes. But but the AI thing, like, uh, you know, with GPT getting like fourteen hundreds on the SAT, I went and looked it up again because I was like, okay, I wanted to, I wanted to see what it pat, beat me on in tests and stuff too. Yeah, by the way, like yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I got my, I did higher on my chemistry AP than this fucking thing. Uh, still, like, of course, that's till next week when it beats that too. But um, I was looking at like what it takes to get a 1400 on the SAT because I forgot like what that number meant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and that's like the 95th percentile of all people that take the SAT get a 1400 or above. Right. Meaning like either one of two things is true. Either this is just a chat bot, right? Not, not that important because it's not, it's not general artificial intelligence, doesn't think for itself, blah, 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 all the usual coping uh, conversation. Or you say to yourself, wait a minute. That means that everyone below the the SAT for of fourteen hundred is also a chatbot, right. <laughs> you know, like, right. or 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 does it mean the test is just stupid? And it makes no sense anymore, or maybe it never made sense, or wh- like, what does it mean exactly? Right, that the thing, and I think we we reach an existential crisis when this thing is making like fifteen hundred to sixteen hundred SAT scores, and the smartest people in the country or in the world, literally, like the, the smartest people who get those crazy high scores and do the work to learn all the 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 background behind it maybe the language skills the math skills whatever it is right you gotta you have to learn a certain number of things to get to make it to that level like how do you feel when okay this thing knows how to answer all this thing all these things perfectly all of the time or near perfectly and it took you like 14 15 16 17 18 years to figure that same shit out it's what is it how does that make people feel right and i i think that this is going to take a toll like especially with medical or sciences where you know people that are dedicating their lives to like quantum physics i'm sure that there's going to be something with ai that is going to come along and and whatever their standardized um you know categorization is you know whatever whatever like a like an sat or whatever test it might be and these people that are dedicating like their life's work is this one piece of quantum physics right and when an ai comes in and says oh i can do that i'm sure that that does not feel great and you know the interesting thing about the ego is like so everyone has an ego at some level and we all have, we all sort of cope, you know, like I know people that are much smarter than me and um, I-, I know they're you know more well published or maybe they have accomplished more in leadership or like whatever it is, right? Mm. Like you- everyone knows people smarter than themselves and we're fine with that to a large extent. We are not necessarily around those people 24 seven and, you know, putting our dicks on a table and comparing them or something like that, right? You're not right. comparing brains all day long and go, oh, I'm smarter than you. You're smarter than me. Like this kind of like thing is like at a societal level, there's a little bit of that. Obviously, there's there's, you know, people um, have like the rat race and they try to, you know, win that rat race or whatever it is. But it's not like, um, you know, like so if I, if I have an IQ of 90, let's say, and I hang out with people with an IQ of 10, 110 all the time. I'm going to notice I'm not as bright as this group of people over here, right? right. If I go hang out with the, the ultra elite at the, uh, you know, top universities at in the astrophysics department, you know, and you can do that now on YouTube and stuff by listening to some of these people speak. You're like, wait a minute, I'm not that smart. 
I know for a fact I don't know. <laughs> like I could sit, uh, you know, I could be, I could sit my entire life playing with a piano. I'm not going to be Hans Zimmer anytime soon, right? Like it's not going to happen. So you get a sense of that, that like I'm smaller than the world, especially with how connected the world is and how exposed we are to so many people at different levels. But imagine when like even those people are just like, um, well, shit, like this thing can do like 90% of what I do now. Right. Right. It's like the number of people that that develop the sort of existential crisis starts to become a greater and greater portion of of like the human race. And not only that, but the, the, the purest, purest point of this is these ultra smart people aren't hanging around and buzzing around you the entire day. Exactly. With AI, the difference is, is this fucking thing is front and center in front of you, in front of your face, in your phone all day long and it's smart as fuck and it's way the fuck smarter than i am and knows like it can pass way more uh, ap exams than i ever could like you know it passed almost all of them like right. basically right like so it did so it's it's what it does is it immediately gives you this insane kind of concept that well i have this thing it can do all these things for me why should i do them myself would be one question the second would be like, okay, my value, my value, my mind of who I am as a person is wrapped around this academic shit that I do or this work yeah. or this technical shit that I do. It makes it very difficult to live in the fantasy or that world of denial where, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm the king of my own domain, right? Like this was a, this is a common theme in gaming as well. You know, like any, any game you play, right? Like, Part of the reason why crypto wasn't in, included into a lot of games and things like from, you know, Steam and all these other companies that could have done it. Right. They didn't do it because, like, if I'm a rich person and I can spend a million dollars in a video game just, you know, at the drop of a hat. Right. And I can get ahead of all the other players in the game. Right. It doesn't feel good as a gamer to realize that I can't be king of my domain. You've, right. you've met gamers plenty. Right. Oh, yeah. You want to be the elite guy that can, you know, you can frag the most enemies. You want to have like the most equipment and shit in your EverQuest character. You want to have you want to believe that the time you spend, you're on a level playing field, whether it's chess all the way up to any game. You want to feel that you can become king of the domain if you wanted to. And if you didn't become king of that domain is because you just decided not to spend the time. Right. Yep. Like you, you purposely wanted to play that game casually. You're cool with it. That's fine. Even if I'm not like the highest player in Fallout 76 or whatever else game you yeah, have, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm cool with it. With AI, it's different because the thing is you're in the game of life, right? Yep. Here you are. And all of a sudden you have this thing with freaking godlike powers always one up in you. Right. And judging you. Like I think the name, you know, Judgment Day for one of the Terminator movies, like it, I think that was a very, very specific name that when people thought about this very carefully back when that movie was created, and I'm not suggesting we're about to have an AI apocalypse or something, by the way, yeah, I'm just saying least. like the name, like you, this thing is going to be judging you and you are going to judge yourself in reference to this thing as the intelligent voice, right? Yep. Our brain, when, when, when we have an internet with a black box of information, right? Like gargantuan amounts of data on Wikipedia and whatever the hell, you know, Wolfram Alpha or whatever the fuck that, you know, you have all this information, PubMed for medicine, all that information's out there, but you don't necessarily feel stupid because it's not necessarily like, I don't know, maybe staring someone in the face and making fun of them that you don't know any of this stuff every moment, right? But with AI, you're reminded constantly it's the constant, at a very physical level. Yeah, like it can exposure, talk back to you. Right. 
yeah. it can talk back to you and it gives you a constant exposure that's a very different level of immersiveness. And I think if you've understood like game mechanics, you've understood how people behaved in video games, you've understood like you've watched this arc and you're not concerned about how humanity is going to behave with this AI that we have now, right? Like right. even GPT-4, like forget about getting anything fancy. Like even if you connect GPT-4 to a voice generator like a Apple Siri or, you know, whatever else, you know, these voice modulators, mm -hmm. um, those can be very, very accurate in terms of speech too now so that you can barely tell they're human. But you combine those things together and it's like um, we're about to live in a world that mm, even if even with all the best sci-fi predictions and all that shit, right? Yep. Like, like we're not none of that prepares me for what's about to happen next in the next few years the psychological aspect is going to be very fascinating and i don't think enough people are are viewing that the way that that you are and and it's it's really interesting like let's let's take it to a, a very rudimentary level um the deep fakes of uh elon on tiktok right that you take a oh, still yeah. image and then he's talking about something crazy right but that used to be just audio based three months ago now you take that still oh, yeah. picture and it looks like he's talking and it sounds it's so oh yeah we're not gonna know what's real what's fake and it's it's gonna the be the content yeah yeah the content of this podcast alone your voice and my voice is enough to create a replica of you and me in inflection and tone yep. in our vocal quality, uh, copying the actual, like, you know, you know, the, the, the pitch of our voice, all of that stuff pretty convincingly already. Like you, it only takes about three hours worth of recording and you know, you have all these weird permutations that happen like, okay, well, if you can have a fairly credible version of me or Elon Musk or anybody else like that, that you can, you know, fake Joe Rogan podcast, you've seen that one yep. or heard of that one. Like these are pretty good. And the more information you have, you also get to another weird place. Do people really die in the same way they used to? Right. Um, like, for example, if I were to have a family member die today, mm -hmm. um, I may have pictures of them. I may have a little bit of video on my phone of them or whatever. Um, you know, so to some extent, people live on in the digital age in a way or, or ever since really photography and painting, I suppose, like right. they live on a way that they didn't before that was possible. But to be able to actually have a chat with your dead spouse or something weird like that, right, where it's so credible um, because there's enough data about that person that it sounds pretty good, right? it's pretty close. That's going to be a weird thing. Either it's going to be therapeutic for people because like someone dies and they're like, oh, I can talk to granddad again. Um, there's some things I left unsaid, and I'm going to say it to this <laughs> this thing. Right. Um, or or it becomes very very weird codependent um, behavior. And if we know anything about human psychology, you know every it's possible the latter. Yeah. Every every po well every possible permutation of that that you can imagine will happen. Yep. Like every like you'll have the dependent person. You'll have the people that like it helps them indirectly. You'll have the people that, yeah, all of that. It would be no different in many ways than my EverQuest addiction for a year, right? Like, in the sense that, wait a minute, I got to cut this thing off. Like, enough talking with dead granddad, right? AI, right? Well, what, like, I enjoyed this a lot, but okay, enough of this shit, right? What's like, the uh, Joaquin Phoenix movie, Her, when her, he falls, yeah, yeah, her. I, I definitely see some type of that happening with. You know, it was an untimely passing for a spouse, like you said, and it goes from therapeutic and becomes 
you know, a, a crutch and it's abused. And, oh, yeah. You know, so it's like I said, the the psychological repercussions of this in so many different areas um, it's it's just going to be and interesting it's just like alcoholism it it's just like alcoholism in the sense that like anything you could get theoretically addicted to you don't know you're going to be an addict until after the fact <laughs> right like it's not like you can do a blood test or take some test that says oh hey you're going to be addicted to this don't do it um there's a tendency for these things to sort of be self-perpetuating at a level where you only realize you're in trouble after you're in trouble yep right like it's a common thing. Yeah. So it's like it, people have this problem with like uh, gaming addiction, porn addictions, and yeah, all these other, you know. Yeah. So there will be a subset of the population that will need special help because of their, their wacky ass thing. And that, and the weird thing is like maybe these AI, AIs are so good that they also just take care of your therapy too. And it's, it's oh, like yeah. that's probably going to happen. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. Like how it depends on how they're designed and which model you're playing with and like what it's intending to do but um yeah you, you may have one ai telling you hey by the way you're talking to ai granddad too much like what are you doing like why are you doing that go and talk to a real girl or something like right. maybe the thing will actually like return people to normal too the, the weird thing is like tech changed us all anyway right yeah it changed sexual behavior it changed eating habits we have like the the, the fattest country in the united states at least that we've ever had ever mm -hmm. right like it's just obesity is just off the hook and um, people are just eating way too much, whatever. Maybe the tr these trends get reversed by AI. Maybe the thing is like, hey, stop eating so much, you fat fuck. Like, or maybe it's <laughs> maybe it says like, um, hey, you know, you you've been spending too much time playing on your computer. You haven't had enough time to go out and like meet some girls um, or something like that. So like, it might change how. Like, who knows? Maybe the things make us better humans. I don't know. Like, maybe I'm being too pessimistic. I, I don't know. I would agree to an extent but i think what it's going to come down to is who owns the ip behind the engine of, of the ai and what yeah. financial incentive like if you know say mcdonald's owns that ai i am sure that they're not going to build in hey maybe try to kick back on you know your daily big mac or something right yeah Stuff yeah, like. yeah but so, imagine this like here you are, you're a parent, okay? Imagine you have two kids and uh, uh, and now like they're learning stuff from AI or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Like you know, it's teaching them things 24/7. You have no idea what they're what they're learning and what they aren't, right? A parents barely know this sort of thing anyway. TV in, like teaches your kids, uh, teachers teach your kids, your friends teach you things, right? Yeah. As a, so like it's not like you you're going to helicopter parent every element of this, but um imagine this is like not that different from having like a third kid in the house right because this thing like whatever influences it has in your children are not that different from if another if one of your children was a psychopath and was influencing your children negatively right right like which some families have that sort of problem right like for legitimately um and it, it like this thing becomes just another sort of entity in the house so parents are going to have to say wait a minute is this thing teaching my kids something useful? Right. You know, are there going to be dials on this thing that says, hey, I, I want my kid to be more this. And so then the thing starts manipulating the kid to be more of that. And and should parents have that right to dial the thing? Right. Right. So who actually not turns the knobs and dials? Is it Facebook? Is it Apple? 
Is it your parents? Exactly. Should anyone should anyone do it? Like if you're an ultra libertarian, you might say, well, no, this thing, you have to just let this thing go. Just do whatever it does, because right. any turning of the dials is like some form of regulation, in a sense. And that's going to cause a different influence that you hadn't hadn't thought about. Right. Like. So what do you which dials do you turn? It's right. Like, who knows? It's going to make people. I, I think in, in general, people are very hypocritical to start. But with yep. with this type of addition, it's really going to shed a light on what people are willing to put up with and how they how they want to present their ideals through something else, if that makes sense. Like you said, yeah. with, with libertarian, you know, you they could or if they stick to their belief, it's hey, I'm not gonna touch this and let it go. Um there are other and, people. And most people most people can't stick to their beliefs. Right. Like not hundred percent. Right. right? right. So it's like every, that's yeah, one one of the common things I say is like everyone's a hypocrite, at least some of the time. Right. About some right. of the things they care about, right? Like <laughs> it's like yeah. And but you know, all sorts of weird interaction. Like imagine if you are a kid born today and you have this friend based on GPT four, right? You have this thing you're talking with. And I'm going to call it a thing for lack of a better term for the time. being. <laughs> but let's say you're talking to this right? and you have been doing this for the next, let's say, 10 years. Right. Just even if GPT got no better than it is now and all you had was a kid with a voice synthesizer on the thing and it was synthesized, you know, your voice was translated to it. You don't have to you don't have to uh, type anything. Right. You're just right. using this thing all day long, maybe on your Apple Watch, maybe on your VR glasses or some shit. And you're interacting with this thing for the next decade. Um. First off, how many human beings are going to have that level of conversation ability as GPT-4 does? Not many, right? Right, Because only 5% can get a 1,400 SAT. So technically speaking, yep. this thing has better grammatical and English skills than most of the people you're ever going to meet. So it's going to be weird in the sense that you're going to judge people based on how yep. you're used to judging this thing, right? It, it's sort of like how, I guess, like filters and pornography and all these sort of things like affected how people maybe view women or sex or anything, you know, whatever, right? Yep. Like that same concept would happen with this thing, but you would judge everyone's cognitive ability much more harshly too. What's uh, right? Like, what's the the thing? Um, you you are a um, you are a portion of the the five people you spend the most time with. Right. Right. Well, yep. Exactly. You know, you sp if like your personality is influenced by those people. Right. 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 So say that you're spending an, an exponential amount of time that they can't say no, or they can't go away from you in that, you know, in that scenario where you're you, as a kid, this kid is spending almost all of their time with this chat GPT um, expressed in like a, a kid form. Right. Yeah. Like it's, just as a simple, simple example. When I start, when I played EverQuest, like hardcore, yeah. right, like all the time, like literally just to consume my days. And um, I really love playing it, too, by the way. I don't really necessarily regret it, even in retrospect, but because uh, a lot of stories came from it. But it was like a year of played time, like a year in actual fucking hours, right. like a year in that game, which gets really weird. Right. But that's not a year that my parents were aware that I played that much of because I was off in my own and whatever. And. Uh, it's not a, a year that like my friends necessarily in real life or whatever were aware that I played that much necessarily either. Mm -hmm. 
But the amount of influence that the thing had on me, because I was with other people during that process, imagine those other people were AIs or whatever. The point is like, I learned how to run like, you know, guild battles and all sorts of stuff. Right. How many people at that age are managing 50 people at a time that have to do like time limited, like, you know, mission critical operations. I learned a lot about how to run a hospital around how to run intensive care unit around how to run companies and people and stuff by my experience in that deep, um, like that deep experience I had playing that game. Mm -hmm. But like, Imagine that same thing, that amount of time played, but imagine like, you know, I'm playing with an AI or something like that. Right. Like, only God knows in a year how much, how much exactly. aptitude I would pick up or how much it would influence my personality. It'd be, you, like, you might have a child that starts interacting with this thing for a year and is a completely different person than the one you knew before. Right. And I, that could be weird. It's, it's so captivating. It's so incredible, and for me at least, it is fucking scary. Yeah, and like, and on Twitter and everywhere else, you know, people say things like, well, you know, why is everyone talking about this now? And like, what's this the new thing? Like, there is this sort of sense, the Twitter gets really, really noisy quickly about any particular subject, right? <laughs> right? Like, whether it's AI, whether it's crypto, whatever. So yeah, sure, you can say, well, okay, this is just the next fad and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's more than that this time. Yep. Like, you know, this time it actually is different. <laughs> like, you know, like people say, oh, it's just the same old thing, whatever. No, I think the 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 depth of this is different. Um, and, I, and I truly think that if technology proceeds as is, like without any major human catastrophes or whatever, right? Like something bad doesn't happen to the world in the meantime or disruption of modern civilization or, yeah. I don't know, Taiwan or something where the chips are made or some shit. Yeah. Um, then what you end up having is you end up having a progression at this point that we just can't, A, we, we're just not going to come back from this, meaning like this is a one-way show, right? Like either that or we have some weird dystopian apocalypse at some point. Um, but like, there's, I don't think this is like just, just any random thing. Like, oh, look, it's iPhone. It went viral or something. No, this is very different. It's even deeper than all of those things. There's, there's like, no I really way, think. It's, yeah. There's no way that we go back to before the introduction of chat GPT. No. And I, and, and all of this to me, it's like in, in a, in a deep way, it's almost like if you look at the Adam in the garden of Eden story, it's like really like, this is the last apple, right? Yep. In the, the last garden. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it's that is a high level. It's almost like that story was this. And that story was the, this last apple. And this is the last bite from that or whatever. And, um, there's no going back after. That. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I, it's, there's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube. And, you know, as, as cliche as that is, um, there's always going to be artificial intelligence now in everything that we do, whether you're a finance major, whether you're a gamer, whether you're in the medical field, um, there, artificial intelligence is going to be tied into that in some way, shape or form moving forward. I'm, I'm very confident in that. So I'm glad that we're in an agreement of. Oh, yeah. Like it's like it's it's like woven into the fabric of reality. Right, or right. Yep. One of um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, you know, with what gaming 
could be now. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Disrespect and what he meant. I think he mentioned it on Twitter or during one of his streams. I'm not sure. But he's creating an NFT where you can get it in-game. Think about, like, um, have you ever heard of Escape from Tarkov? Mm, I don't think I've heard about that one. It's a uh, first-person shooter, and it's like you know, uh, very, very hardcore mode. You load into a map okay. and if, you know, you have your gun uh, and it's it's like... You die, a, you're dead. Yes, and you lose all your stuff. So okay. he wanted to have NFTs where, you know, similar RNG loot-based, uh, you load in and you can get an NFT with like... And, and say that you, you put it on the marketplace and it's worth $50,000. Well, that introduces a, a whole other level of cheating that is already in gaming, right? Like there's there's people mm. that spend $100 on cheats for Escape from Tarkov. They spend – or you can buy like assisted runs or carries for 10 bucks using this. There's already a model to monetize <laughs> cheating. Now you're telling me that you can put together cheats and – you know, there's a, a potential to make $50,000 of selling this NFT. I mean, it's it's going to create a, a very toxic environment if that is the way that that goes. However, with the addition of artificial intelligence, they're going to be able to see how gamers react in-game both with cheats and without cheats and i'm sure that they're going to be able to put together yeah. like a 99.9% like adjustment rate of you know yeah the chess world has done this by the way yeah 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 like yeah that's a big thing in chess world like in you know figuring out who is real and what isn't and all that has been like turned into a big thing um and it's gotten to the point where now it's thinking that like actual chess players are actually fake too which is very funny cuz a lot of the chess moves have been informed by what people learn from ai right so it, it it went into a feedback loop right like it's like you can't even tell the difference between the computer and the oh, ai to some extent anymore, which is weird right because yeah. like the, the grandmasters of chess and stuff learn from a lot of the techniques that were discovered with ibm deep blue and then you know alpha chess and all these other things yep. right like so the, the other thing too is like remember even back in everquest days i remember um when you would have one person and they would have three computers. Like I never did this because I just felt like just not fun to me. But some people would have a warrior, a cleric, and a whatever. So they can always be leveling the character whether they have a group or not. Okay. And they're always wanted in a group because they have like multiple characters right. and they can fill in the blank on whichever raid needed to happen. That was a very funny thing. The multi-box people. And then on top of that, of course, like there's people that have botted various games like um you know where you want to say for example mine for gold or something in some game and you have some bots sort of do it for you by and the a lot of the gaming design has been built to of prevent cheating right like yep. there's all sorts of different techniques used to try to like make the game interestingly hard enough to avoid this kind of attack um to where you know, there's some randomization involved, you know, and whatever to to break the possibility that you can bot indefinitely. Um, but people still do it. And um, 
like that sort of concept was built into the structure of Bitcoin, for example, whereas like any kind of uh, thing you could do to try to game the system would be actually strengthen the system, not the other way around. So like game design completely changes with AI in many in a, in a sense, because here's the thing, like technically speaking, even today, right? Let's take uh, Diablo or uh, World of Warcraft or whatever. Those bosses are only you're only able to beat them because the game is designed so you can beat them. Right. Right. Even to this day, like so the whole concept of cheating on these games is almost absurd on its face, considering that the only way not to lose the game would be not to play. Right. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. It's like a crazy. It's like the meta game here is that, wait a minute, like, why am I playing this game? Like, that's what I realized with EverQuest. I'm like, okay, I've spent so much time on this thing. Like, beyond a certain level, what benefit is this giving me after a certain point? And I'm like, cut myself off from that shit, right? Like, like the idea of cheating on it, it, to me, seems like even more absurd. Although I sort of facilitated that to some extent by selling my character. Um, <laughs> I, I facilitated someone else cheating on it by selling my character. So I sort of like won the game by selling the, my character in a sense and getting out of it at the same time, which is weird. Well, it's, <laughs> so. it, it, at the time, it wasn't against uh, terms of service. So, you know, at that it moment, it was right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? That like I won yeah. the game of life in a sense. It yeah. wasn't like, yeah, the, what is the actual meta game? And maybe, maybe these like wild AI worlds and things. You know, some people make the make the like parallels with metaverse and make it sound like, oh, we're all going to be living in these things. I've made the argument with the hieroglyph concept that we've been living in a metaverse all along. Yeah. Um, Why do you give a fuck if it's inside of a computer playing an Unreal 5? Like, why don't you just go and like touch grass then? Like, you know, at at some level, the metagame is, wait a minute, like you already have a, a 3D universe. Like, like, why do you need the funny little monsters and shit to fight and all sorts of weird game theory to make your life feel meaningful? So it becomes a you you wind up with like this full loop into spirituality, essentially. Right. There's always people smarter than you around you. There's always people. um, Now you have this AI that's always around you that's smarter than you. And so it's like this ego killer. And ultimately, it forces people in some ways to become more spiritual, which is, I think, like at the end game of crypto the end game of gaming the end game of ai is almost like a new religion's about to form to me that's my suspicion like looking at how deeply this is going to ingrain into everything um what we think of as religion up until now that's going to change appreciably and i think um like and it's a new type of like i don't know like it caters to everybody in a sense, whether you're atheist, agnostic, it makes no difference. It's like this weird like thing where if you believe it matters to be human, you have to do these things, right? Like right. you need to do the, and if you don't think it matters, you're going to be in this cult over here. Either way, you're in some whacked out cult. Yeah. You, right. You, you're either in the AI cult or you're in the anti AI cult. Yeah. One of the two, right? That's the weird dichotomy of this well it's 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 to a point where it's happening now regardless if you agree with it or not so you're forced to make a decision rather than what i think people you know over the last thousand years you know it's either for you or it's not it's it already happened or you know 
I, I won't get into the philosophical. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just hard getting it. It's even hard to think about it, right? right. It's like, but it, it's like, wait, it's like there's no, and you know, what? there's no great analogy for it. That's the other funny thing. Yeah. When you go back in time and you go, wait a minute, like, what is the analogy for having this having happened before? Like, what maybe, I don't know, like, mm, people suddenly believe that God walked the earth. You know, okay, so modern religion, prophets, etc. No, this isn't quite that. Um, you know, you know, Elon Musk like tweeted yesterday, right? Like he 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 tweeted out as a joke. I don't know if you happen to notice that. He's like, oh, this reminds me of the joke about the agnostics that created the uh, the um, agnostics that create a, a AI intelligence to determine if there's a god or not, and the AI answers back. Um, there is now motherfuckers, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like, you know, you're basically creating this godlike thing with right. godlike powers. That, by the way, like if anybody in human history passed, let's say, a hundred years, the last hundred years, right? They would most definitely think GPT four is a god. Yeah. Let's not let's not like minimize that even for a second. Like any time in human history, if you had an oracle that can tell you the type of things that it tells you. It is a god by every definition. Yep. Right. Like the Greeks, the Romans, whoever the hell else, all of history would be different if they thought they had access to that type of oracle. Right. Like no prophet, no god ever has had this much power. The thing talks to what? Tens of millions of people at a time. It's right. It's like insane. what What prophet did that in right. history? Right. Right. There's no analogy for this. And every time I try to come up with one, I'm like, you know what? There is no analogy. We are, we, you know, people are going to be talking about us being the analogy at some point in the future. But like, this is not, you, there's, there's no comparison. So it's hard to even do a talk on this sort of thing. Like I was asked to do something like this for medical school, like to just, you know, talk about AI and what, how it's going to impact everything. And I don't even know where the fuck to begin. I'm like, I could do a seminar on this for a day. Right. And I wouldn't be done talking like that's how much shit's about to go down. And I, like, and every minute of that would be deep, right? It's not like, oh, there's like a three points at the end of the talk. And it's like, okay, I'm like, you know what I mean? Like the typical PowerPoint presentation or whatever. No, like every single point is deeply impactful and it affects every element of culture, society and everything. I, I really feel like we're at a moment where it's like, okay, this is somewhere between money and God. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe deeper than money. Uh, money is thought to be deeper than God for most people, by the way. Like if you look at most people in the world, you survey them in sociologic studies. They're more concerned about money than than God, right? Almost the entire planet, in, including people that are like highly religious, right? It, it, it money permeates how you think and how you work and how you do things every day and how you buy things and all that, right? So it's like deeply cultural. But um, you know, imagine this somewhere in that context. I think that's where we are, and I think the crypto piece of the puzzle is also mesmerizing in all of this as well. In that, like, what happens when AI starts producing money, right? Because yeah. there's no reason why it can't. And you have to pay it in tokens or whatever to get access to its superpowers. Um, so it, it becomes the true final hegemon on this planet, right? Like, we talk about the US dollar and all the crypto community talks about all the various, like, reasons why Bitcoin's good and everything else. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to rehash all of that, but, to, you know, <laughs> rehash. It's like I get into these stupid puns and whatever. But, like, uh, uh, you don't have to kind of, like, rediscuss all of that to understand deeply, like, what Bitcoin is, what the white paper means, how important all of that was. But when you give AI a decentralized money, 
right? Or it has the, the, the capability of creating that. You can't shut the thing off. This is not like a Skynet fucking thing where you're going to go turn the robots off right. at some base. Right. Right. This right. permeates everything. There is no turning it off. And you're giving it access to all the levers of money while also being a potentially the most powerful hegemonic power since like the existence of walking gods on this planet or whatever, right? Like imagine like imagine Jesus Christ shows up today in America or in Israel or something like that. Like this thing has more reach than right. even an actual human person of any that that has ever lived on this planet. It's that's crazy. It's so, I mean, you said it best where ChatGPT can talk to 10 million people simultaneously. There's no one else, human or Yeah, no, no one yeah. ever. You're right, right. No one could ever do this, right? I mean, our social media platforms are obviously connected and there's some algorithms and, algorithms and things and feedback loops that, you know, create virality and all the other shenanigans. But, but this is a little bit different. I mean, and... Uh, you know, they haven't gotten to the point where they've implemented a lot of like extended long-term memory to these things because that's very expensive. Yeah. But you know that's coming because you know each of us has all sorts of extra space on our computer. Right. And we know we can do diffusion models and stuff on our computer. So you and me may own the memory of our AI with you and me, like on our own personal computers in a sense, right? Like, yeah. and Apple computers have neural chips in them. We have this huge hard drives on our individual computers. The bandwidth is there to record a tremendous amount of individual memory and interactions of these things. And like, but you tie this with money, you tie this with the ability to like have decentralized networks that can't be shut down. Like, you know, BitTorrent hasn't been shut down to this day, by the way. I, I, I always remind people like, before you think you're going to fix the AI fucking apocalypse, guess what? We haven't even been able to make BitTorrent stop pirating. Right. Like, oh, like, wow. <laughs> like, think about that. Like, remember BitTorrent and that, remember Napster and all that. Yeah. But BitTorrent's still been running when peer to peer networks, and you can still download movies and shit on the damn thing. Right. Like, and no one's been, and people, this is why the music industry shifted to a whole new, diff, whole different streaming model. And, you know, Netflix came about and they made it so convenient and so cheap not to have to pirate anything that that had, that disruption only came because of BitTorrent's exactly. existence. Right. You know, that like, and you knew bit, you knew when BitTorrent came out, Blockbuster was fucked, right? right? Like, you knew like well before Blockbuster went out of business, it was going to be going the way of the Dodo Bird or whatever. But I think this creates similar, um, like similar patterns are about to happen with so many industries and so many things. A even money's like, mm, if the dollar wasn't already really powerful, like to me, AI just essentially decimates what's left of most world's currencies. Right. Well, we're... I know it's a weird stretch to do that, like go from here to there. But like, why would you need any of these other world currencies? You already have either the dollar or the AI created like cognitive monetary system. Yep. Right. Where the power of thought is actually the deepest form of money. Well, you know, you have we are back in that scenario. I know that, you know, you said this just about Blockbuster, but with how tied in technology is and AI could be tied into every single facet of life now it's we get into a, a bigger um you know i guess ethos perspective of it's adapt or die and how do you do that when or, or excuse me how how do you try to avoid that when this new technology is so ingrained and integrated into literally everything and the potential for integration with everything that will ever be moving forward. It's, it's wild. 
Yeah, and, and a broad level, right? Like when everyone's interacting with it, it doesn't have to be sentient. It moves culture anyway. Right. It moves the needle on where your culture is going to be and what it's going to, what your culture is going to care about, how people are going to treat each other, how countries are going to treat each other. It truly is that it's like deeply impactful and there's no great way to control the damn thing. It's not like Sam Altman can turn the dials at open AI. And, right. you know, he, he even commented today, like, Oh yeah, I'm going to be doing a world tour around the world and talking to people about AI and whatever. What he's doing is a PR trip so people don't lynch him when people hate the world that's about to merge. <laughs> yeah. Cause the change is going to be so, so exotic and deep that like every religion is going to be upset. Like every business is going to be upset. You know, people that are, you know, laid jobless are going to be upset. Like, you truly have the underpinnings of, like, you know, the world calling you Lucifer, essentially, right? right. It's not a surprise he's going to go on a PR fucking tour yeah. pretty soon now. So he's doing literally a PR tour. And, and he tweeted out, like, things like, well, we need to solve the AI alignment problem. And we need to have legislation or whatever. No shit, Sherlock. Like people have been saying that for like the last five plus years. Like Nick Bostrom's written about it. Um, you know, people have warned about this sort of thing. Even no one likes Bill Gates, but he's been warning about it. Um, and uh, uh, like Zuckerberg and others have all like, you know, everyone has said, made some sort of disparaging claim about AI that, oh, well, we don't know how to control it and all this sort of thing. And I think it's interesting that like, mm, I think they've, People have all but given up on this. Like, there's no evidence that anyone's smart enough to solve the AI alignment problem, which is to say, like, you're going to align AI's um, thoughts and dreams so that it favors humanity. Humanity doesn't even know what it wants. Right. Right. Like, we don't know what we want from, like, a cultural perspective. We don't all agree from a religious perspective. We don't agree on the same time scales, like you may have wants and needs that are different than mine. Mm -hmm. Like my multi-year scale might be different from your, your, your scale this week in terms of what you want versus what I want. So time scales don't match. This is why we have the entire field of economics where people try to figure out like why people behave the way they do. Yeah, yeah. Like there is no, there's no dial on the AI that you can turn that can like consistently make all people happy or something like that. Right. So, you know, for sure, there's gonna be winners and losers. You know, there's going to be people that hate this thing. You're going to have other people that love the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no different than politics. It becomes just a big blood sport at some point. And I think at the end of the day, like the AI alignment problem in a nutshell is what is this thing going to think of us? Right. Like in, in Terminator, when the, 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 movie was named judgment day forget about the contents of the movie just look at the title right what happens when this thing is judging you on individual level right is photoshop going to think you're a moron right yeah. like <laughs> is, is 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 microsoft excel going to think you're just some sort of mathematical idiot right yeah. like that's possible because the questions you ask it's going to quickly be able to tell how smart you are or aren't right that's obvious yep. um and it's going to have to know that you're not too bright at excel because it's going to have to provide you suggestions of how to build a better spreadsheet or whatever um and so judgment is going to happen at every level it's going to have to judge you to help you and at a broader level it's going to make judgments about society about laws about all sorts of things i don't think there's a judgment day as more of just a judgment like continuum right. it's just permanently going to judge you then then what you would like we have this weird world like it, it's like um i don't know i guess we were always judged by other people to some extent we were judged by society and everything else 
but it feels different to human beings when we're judged by an alien, right? Yeah. Imagine an alien were to show up on this planet and we don't know what it wants. We don't know if long-term our needs are going to align with its needs. Like even if it claims to be, be benevolent, people say, well, then why are you here? Right? Like yeah. people argue with the alien, right? You can imagine that happening. Every alien movie ever. Like, I think you could sum all that up in that people are going to have paranoia. They're going to have love for the thing. They're going to have intrigue. The alien might have bad intentions. Um, it might not. But even if it didn't have bad intentions, how would you know? So you're going to have no choice but to go to war because, like, there is some probability that it could have bad intentions, right? Yeah. It just goes in a cyclical loop. The difference when it's humans in other countries is we we presume that the constraints are that like the people of China, let's say the Communist Party or whoever, they all have similar goals in terms of self-preservation. They have biological needs. They have to eat. They have families. You're hoping that, you know, people won't go to World War Three because, you know, I remember living through the Cold War 80s time and like we all thought we were going to die in nuclear war and shit. Right. Like yeah. we but the, the, the hope was that cooler heads would prevail and that those humans over there are at least similar to our humans over here because we all have kids. We want them to thrive. We want them to have a world without nuclear winter and all that shit, right? right? So there is this human like value set that even with our worst enemies, like even the Nazis or some shit, right? You knew that Nazis cared about their families at some level similar to how you and me care for our families, right? Right? Like you knew there was some human element. Maybe we could we could. Uh, talk to that human element with our ambassadors or whoever and everything goes okay right so even like even with all that shit we had world war one we had world war two and all the other chaos of yeah. the last century right just think about that like we didn't do a great job even with other humans you put an alien ai on this planet that whose motivations are changing by the second by whose the thoughts second. are truly relativistic in speed and, and content right like it might have aligned with you five minutes ago but that was eons in human years right, right. like and, and it's years yeah five minutes later it has a different idea it's right like well it's it's always it's adapting crazy. it's ever learning it's adapting yeah. yeah it's like it's not even the same creature five minutes from now than it was five minutes ago and it the other weird thing is like uh, i was thinking about this from the perspective of like concept like hope and forgiveness and a lot of the human things that we care about, right? right. Like, um, think about, uh, okay, like let's say you're traumatized in war. Um, maybe you were shot at during war and you can't forget that experience and now you have PTSD, right? Yep. Not all warriors get PTSD, by the way. Some do and some don't. Not everyone, say for example, that gets raped gets PTSD. Some do and some don't. There are some sort of like genetic underpinnings and there's some sort of brain chemistry things that happen in some people that don't happen to everybody. Right. In the same exact circumstances. So, but, but there's this concept that like, it, there's something important about being able to forget. Like people talk about forgiving and forgetting. I think hope is possible because we don't have, like children born today don't have a memory of all the the sins of their fathers, the right. sins of their forefathers, all the chaos and murder and mayhem and wars and whatever. So you can live in hope in a sense because like you don't digest all of history all at one time, you know, in a, you know, like AI will, 
So AI, what's happening is you're feeding it all of the content of human history, right? Yeah, all at one time. That happened ever, all at once. Ever. Yeah. And then you create this neural network that basically can't forget these things. And you could tune it. You could say, okay, well, you know, forget the stuff about war or something like. For now, you can maybe tune it. But once you incorporate extensive memory, also, right? So this thing starts having experiences, and we record those in memory. Like, how do you decide how immutable that memory is? And this is what worries me about Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is the immutable standard, right? So you have an immutable ledger, and now you're writing the history of the world in an immutable fashion. Like, okay, we used to have, um, you know, maybe legends about Jesus or Achilles or, you know, some historical figure or Thomas Jefferson or whatever. And we all have our, like, glorified version of that. But imagine the AI has the actual version of that in its in its data banks, in right. a sense. There's no such thing as like forgive and forget, right? We're going to, oh, you wronged my, my family. Like, you know, oh, your serial killer aunt killed my family member, you know, six centuries ago. Right. Um, fuck it if I'm going to forget you, right? Like, you know, like, like you, you wind up sort of like inheriting the sins of the father in a sense. And the AI inherits sin in a sense. And it can't forget what kind of machine are you creating? What kind of fucked up like conglomerate of human chaos are you actually putting together here? Right. I don't know. Right. Like, yeah. like, so every concept of human, every concept we have of love, hope, um, forgiveness. I, I, and I think these are words that resonate with people because like in every religion you talk about them, right? Like what, what religion doesn't consider these concepts right um how does this thing change that for us well i think it's going to be a a, you know I mean? a very a very difficult thing for us to try and understand how something that is incapable tries to code a quantifiable asset of what we feel so to speak right so it's and, – and I don't think that there's any answer and to we, that really. We don't know what we feel, right. by the way. <laughs> right. We're not even right. sure how it works. I, like, I don't even know what to be hopeful about, for example. How am I going to train an AI to be hopeful? Right. You see the problem? Yep. Like, like not everyone – like some people read, let's say, a religious book and they're like, ooh, this is uh, really compelling. I, I think the, the Bible is uh, accurate or the Quran or whatever it is. They, you know – I believe this is a, a good philosophical depiction of how I should live my life. I'm going to be in this way. Not everyone reads those things and has the same feelings about them. Right. right. So, so how do we train this thing when we can't even figure out how, like we haven't even figured out the perfect religion on this planet. And now we're creating a God essentially and, or something like akin to one and this powerful thing. And we don't really even know, like, um, you know, do we train it to, turn the you know, like turn the other cheek or you know or right. do you train it for eye for an eye like our exact same religious books clarify like all these paradoxes right yep. if you look at any major religious book today it's a collection of paradoxes right like in, in one instance it's like bankers are bad in another instance no they're good right. or in another instance the 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 you turn the other cheek another instance you eye for an eye and People talk about these paradoxes and, you know, in religious conversations and say, well, how is it possible that these things can all exist simultaneously? But they do. Right. They do exist simultaneously. Even the Ten Commandments 
like uh there's elements of things people do in the bible for example that don't like and these are fairly religious beings so to speak right yep. people that people talk about as almost saints but they all have sinned many of them have sinned against the 10 commandments and and even though that there's like a law here like you know yep. you, you couldn't human beings couldn't even follow the damn law right like that human beings theoretically set for themselves well and now we're going to somehow expect this thing to follow our laws exactly. i don't know Look at how many, how many billions of people have died on things, especially religion, over our existence. Right. And, you know, that it's something that we as humans have never been able to find common ground on. There is no shot that we can expect someone that is or someone I'm, I'm already calling AI someone. Right. Um, someone. Yeah. You it, have no choice but to. Almost. Right. right. Um, but how how can we expect a thing that we're trying to give it information, all of the information at that to help agree on something. It, it's just a, a, such an astronomically yeah. hard thing to ask of something. That, it's, it uh, seems like, too, this thing would have like a multiple personality disorder, yeah, too. Yes, yes. So yes. Th you've seen this in patho pathologically in human beings where truly like your brain is sort of splintered in some extent. And there are actual people that have, you know, multiple personality disorder where, you know, they legitimately, you know, periodically hear a woman talking in their head. And another time they hear a man talking in their head and somebody else. Schizophrenia typically is where you might hear a voice in your head that's not a voice that you feel like you're an agent you're in control of. Right. You know, commanding you to do things. So command hallucinations and things like that happen with schizophrenia. In, in, uh, and schizophrenics that... Uh, hear things or see things, some of them know what they hear or see is real, meaning they have insight um, into whether or not, oh, wait, I'm hallucinating again. This is just, they're not really roaches crawling over this room. Yeah. And there are people that can't tell. Like, they legitimately feel completely afraid that uh, that this is happening to them and that, in fact, there's roaches all over the room or there's a person, devil is talking to me. I've met people that, um, you know, where the devil told them to um murder their baby and things like this right. right like and drown their children and stuff like this so so these things actually happen just pathologically to people um multiple personality disorder is a little bit different in that the voice you hear in your head is um you can have more than one voice with different like personalities and shit which is very weird um so the human brain itself when broken and fragmented doesn't act on the Gaussian distribution of normal or like whatever, right? Like, and maybe those people are like the next version of humanity. Like maybe everyone's going to have multiple personalities one day, like thousands of years from now, who knows, right? We have no idea what that, you know, what that Im implies, but imagine AI like speaking to millions of people simultaneously while also having the cumulative, like emotional content of every book ever written. Right. And how does it know how to react in any given circumstance? Is it going to use all of that and behave logically? Is it going to behave on a Gaussian distribution of average for human beings? Is it going to have one moment it acts like a serial killer and another moment it wants to kill everybody, the next moment it loves you, right? Like, And how quickly is that? are those timescales going to skip? Right. We're assuming that like, when we talk to a friend of ours, right, oh, my friend's upset with me because uh, X, Y, and Z, whatever, and he'll forget about it after a while, and you know, he for he'll forget I came late to the party or something like that, right. and, and we'll all get together and get along at some point. But this thing is thinking at light speed. You and me take, you know, maybe some days to get over something. The AI makes fun of me or something, and I'm, like, upset about it. 
maybe I'll forget about it over a week or whatever and get back to chatting with the thing, right? Mm -hmm. In the meantime, you made fun of it and it, it has already thought about the six million permutations of how it doesn't <laughs> like you, how it likes you, how it's going to... It's like, yeah. it's like the, the, the obsessive individual, but on light speed. And it's already thought all through all the different concepts, but at ridiculous speeds. And, you know, it's already decided in three days when you're up to it, it, it knows what it's going to say to you, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> the whole thing is just weird because human beings really don't think... Um, yeah, like I guess some of us, you know, there's the Machiavellian types and stuff like that, but like most people are not that calculated, right? In their, um, like in their day to day activities. Maybe women are, I'm not no, sure. Like, I, that's good. Um, and, and on top of that, too, the not everyone necessarily has the capability for every thought process or every scenario that we have. Like, like if I say something, uh, crappy to you, vice versa. Um, I'm sure that there are things that you and I could think about reacting to each other, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're capable of those types mm -hmm. of responses. Um, that is one of the craziest things about AI, where it's where does the capability end? Because it it knows so much, right? Right, right. Just like, I, I don't know. It's it's all crazy 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 stuff man i was like you and me like if we got to know each other over a period of years right yep. you'd understand my personality i'd understand yours yep. um human beings by and large once we get past a certain age we do tend to be fairly um fixed in our ways like a lot of the phrases about old dogs and new tricks and everything this is basically true most of us the older we get the less and less adaptable we become and the more crystallized our personality becomes. Right. It's an important feature, an important issue in like relationships, for example. So like when, um, like, so for example, if you are 40 and you're looking to have, find a relationship with someone, you already sort of know yourself pretty well in life. You know what you want, what you don't want yep. and all this sort of thing. And you, and people tend to be a little bit too critical about the people that they're forming a relationship with. And the reason is because they're fixing their ways too. And they're not as easily adaptable to you and you're not as easily adaptable to them. So it actually is an interesting thing that like we become like a person, we become a personality, but to a large extent we are predictable Um it's much more rare that people do something really, really out of character. Um, and you can imagine it's like you can you trust that you, you're going to be very similar to you tomorrow compared to the next day and the next day. Right. Right. Outside of some like major um, crazy experience that you might have had or something that totally changes your worldview. We tend to be kind of like similar day to day with AI. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Like, I just don't know how that plays out. Well, typically, I don't know how much, I don't know how much AI in a feedback loop is going to affect its users to right. be very different over the course of a period of weeks or something too. Well, you make a, that could be weird. You make a great point where perspective in humans, it, it's so elongated and it takes a very long time. Yeah, time particularly. Yeah. Yeah. With time particularly is, is very like our experience of time as human beings is very specific to our biology and all that. A lot of this, you can see it in science, like music science and different things. Like why do people like music at a certain beats per minute? For example, there's a reason why we don't listen to thousand beats per minute music. Right. Like music is thought to be like, we like a certain rate that correlates with our heart rates. Right. Like, 
uh, most music is probably between the 60 to 120 beats yeah. per minute, right? If you hear something at 180 beats per minute, like some from some forms of techno and like hardcore techno, it, it feels really, really frantic and you can't keep, you don't like it for too long, right? Like pop music is almost all in that certain like standard heart. It's like that heartbeat range. So like we have a lot of things about how we perceive time that um, that AI doesn't have any of these constraints, which is which is yeah it, it, that that's all a very so t even teaching the thing to behave like a human is basically telling it okay slow down man yeah. like you know like you, you're, you're going <laughs> yeah. too fast and it's like wait I don't know how to do that what am I going to fill that time with exactly is just like stay idle idle processing power like what is it, what is it going to do at that time talk to someone else right, right. It's, it's that's what it's doing now it's it's if you happen to log into gpt or stable diffusion or whatever and use some processing time so it, it's talking to you during that time and immediately when someone else logs in it's messing with them it's designed to be able to service as many people as possible it's not designed to pause and think about how it's affecting your life or is it saying something that you know in the short term might be good for you but in the long term might be bad for you Right, right. Like <laughs> you ask it something like, "Well, I'd like somewhere to, you know, like, uh, you know, I don't know, like, where can I find meth in my neighborhood or something?" <laughs> like, it's well, um, hmm, well, you could probably find it over here. At least seems like a lot of people get hospitalized for meth in this area. You could probably start looking in this area or yeah. something weird. But at the same time, that might be not. It might be accurate. Like it might tell you something useful in the terms of the short term, but it may not be good for you in the long term to do meth or something. You know? the, the I don't know weird that you know the repercussions of time are not necessarily right. as as we have seen it operate now who's to say that that isn't something that it is incorporated later but uh yeah. the the repercussions of time are not necessarily built into some of the answers that we're looking for when we ask it yep yep yeah it uh, uh something that i've noticed um, and I'm no linguist or anything, so like I may be wrong about some of these things, but um, time is deeply ingrained in our language. Um, the way we talk is very temporal. It's this idea that like I need to um, – there's like a past tense, a present tense, a future tense. We all know like the, there's like, literally grammar sets right, specific to right. time. But also just like certain words and things imply like – a shorter term horizon versus a longer term. We have truly an entire language about this. Um, some of that was portrayed a bit in that movie, The Arrival, where oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. you know the alien, the aliens or whatever. You know, I don't want to spoil it for someone that's haven't seen it, but like I would definitely, yeah. If no one's seen that movie, it's definitely worth it to watch that at least once. I think it's called The Arrival, right? The yeah. one with the egg-shaped you know, thing. Jeremy yeah, Renner it's uh, and, uh, what's the redhead's yeah, name? Amy Adams, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it's it's a really good um, study about the perception of these uh, perception and language and stuff, and I think it's worth looking at because talking to an AI is going to be like talking to that, right? Like like at some level, it's going to be like um, you don't understand what I'm talking about, right? Right? You you just don't have the temporal language your brain just don't think at the speed that i can actually communicate with you on a meaningful level and then what's the ai going to do exactly is just going to sit and stew for how many millions of years until we get to the level where right. we understand what it talks about that could be really weird too like it's a strange prison for the thing 
Um, that's the other reason why I think the AI containment problem can't be solved is that temporarily it's not solvable. Um, another uh, like movie that does that concept justice um, is Lucy, you know, the Scarlett Johansson one. Did you, did you see Lucy where she like I'm trying to think. turns into this like she becomes this biological superhuman? Oh, um, kind of like the assassin of sorts. Sort of. Yeah, it's. It's the the movie is like um, mostly like this wild sci-fi action flick thing, but it does have some important deep considerations that they put in the form of entertainment. So Lucy's worth watching too. Yeah, Lucy talks about like what they yes, portray in that to some extent about. is this temporal relationship between um, either biological or um, other super intelligences and how they're going to perceive time differently. Um, another good movie about this was, um, but not about this, but like about the AI problem was Ex Machina. You might've seen that one. Um, that's where, um, one of the subjects that gets brought up in that one is the AI containment problem, which is how do we put an AI in a box and not let it escape so that, um, we can interact with the thing and get the use out of it, but we don't have the thing escape and take over the human race or whatever, right? right? The containment problem the alignment problem, the temporal problem. These are all sort of like uh, paradigms in AI tech that people have been talking about and have not been able to find solutions to any of them, right? Like, like yeah. we can't even find a solution to one of those problems. Let and Sam Altman thinks, oh yeah, we're going to go all, you know, oh yeah, we're going to be fine, right? I don't think, uh, I think most of that is just PR for him, you know, like, yeah, and Elon's yeah. completely nervous about it. Like his, his dark, like, I don't know, the dark portrayals he's had of AI the last several months. Um, and by the way, like, for, if anyone didn't notice, like, Elon is in, like, one of the biggest AI labs in the world with Tesla. Mm -hmm. He's in some of the biggest AI projects with Neuralink, which is the connection of, like, biological um, tissues with um, biological tissues with silicon, you know, so that you can, like, interpret things coming out of a person's spinal cord, for example. Mm -hmm. um, he's put Neuralink, I mean, not sorry, Neuralink, uh, What's this? What's this? The satellites, you know, the the uh, Starlink. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. put Starlink. He's put you know networks all over this, all over space. He's got SpaceX. I mean, it's funny how easily people make fun of Elon Musk. Oh, he hasn't done anything. Like, dude, he's done more shit than most people in the history of the, all of mankind. Quite frankly, he's ever. He's done more to connect people on a different level than ever before. That's for sure. Yeah. No. No. Like he's at a he's at a totally different level, even compared to like a Steve Jobs or whatever. He is at he he's definitely next level and I and and I think he's also a next level troll and stuff and he's I think he bought Twitter by the way because of the AI revolution. I don't think he bought it because he's he's gonna monetize his forty four billion dollars or whatever. No 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 no. You don't buy Twitter because you need um you're gonna just solve a free speech problem. That's not the primary reason I think. I think that's one of the reasons in that made sense to him but if you look at the neural network that is elon musk's brain it's obvious that he needs a platform to be able to talk to the human race about ai and most of intelligentsia if if there is such a thing happens to be on twitter and i think he bought it because like mm, providing people messages about this in a way that's sort of funny sort of humorous and all is like his way yeah but if you look at how he uses memes and everything and how he sort of jokes around like his jokes have gotten extremely dark lately. Like I think he is extraordinarily worried right now, way more so than he has in the past. And 
you know, one of like he had a he had a, a tweet like a month ago or, or maybe it's maybe two weeks ago. I, time's passing quick now. I have a hard time keeping up. <laughs> but uh, he said something like, um, I have an existential dread about the AI problem and something along the lines of and I'm deeply in this, too. And I'm worried about what we're building. Right. Like it's very different than like, let's say, for example, the Apollo moon mission. Or let's say the Apple iPhone where everyone, you know, Steve Jobs walks out on stage or the, the lander lands on the moon and there's everyone's in triumph and celebrating because we're like, you know, winning. Right. Right. AI feels different, doesn't it? Like, look at Sam Altman talking. Look at Elon Musk speaking about it. Look at anybody talking about it. There's very few people that are actually celebrating. Yeah. It's it's the first technological innovation in my lifetime. And I've basically seen it all. And I'm like, nobody's celebrating not really. I think when some of these smart individuals, like the guys that you brought up, and they they tend to look at a problem almost mathematically, where there are entities and there's a solution, and it's pretty linear, right? I think that there's no linear equation with something that comes after an equal sign when asking mm-hmm. these questions that you've brought up. And that can, that can be a scary thing when there's yeah, no it, dead it, set answer for something. Right. Yeah. And I, I think like, I don't know, like let's say let's take Zuckerberg and Facebook. Like he produced this thing and probably while he was making this, he saw all sorts of weird shit happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Like people acting differently you know, maybe people stalking their Facebook friends in college or whatever. Who knows? Like, he probably saw a lot of the weirdness that transpired, right? Right. He pushed forward. He did it anyway. And, um, like, you know, the bigger the network got, the more optimistic he got. And that, you know, well, Facebook connects the world. We can see each other's, you know, family pictures and whatever else, you know. And, you know, you know, outside of the shenanigans about privacy and, you know, algorithmic, you know, you know dopamine rushes and everything else – like at some level, it felt like the world was getting something new, right. something useful. You know, you'd buy the stock and it would go up and whatever. And, you know, you got the iPhone and you go, oh, look, that's novel. I think we can use that thing. Right. I think it's going to be productive. I can see having fun with it. I can play games on it. I could do I don't know what. I think everyone saw these things and, and largely was excited. I think the Apple had reasons to celebrate for producing um you know, the iPhone, I think, you know, all of these tech companies historically, like they do the moonshot thing, they break open the champagne, right? Everyone's excited. The public's excited. People want to use whatever it is, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. It's like, oh, that's a lot of fun. This is just seemingly very, very different to me. Like this feels like what nuclear, like what the Cold War felt like in some ways. Right. Like, oh yeah, like we built another MX missile. <laughs> Right. Like you'd have these Time magazine would put out this shit like, you know, like they'd show you like this little string of like little cartoon missiles, you know, like this. You know, how it's like a like a like a graph almost where yeah. the OK, this is how many mi- missiles the Russians have. This is how many the the Americans have. And it'd be like this graph. And you're like, OK, cool. America has 10 times as many missiles than Russia. Yeah, right. Right. Like, right. That's what those little things used to show. And you'd be like, OK, wow. OK, well, hmm. OK, I suppose that's good. We're We're, we're winning. But wait, hold on a second. At what cost? You know, it's like, 
it's Alphaville Forever Young, right? Everyone's worried about they're they're gonna die. I remember that song. Um, but everyone's like worried that um, that you know the whole world's gonna be blown to bits. And it was like okay, it was a win, but it wasn't like a it wasn't like a win anyone's really proud of. Like okay, right. yeah, we have the biggest nuclear arsenal, but like we're not really happy about it. This feels a lot more like that than any other tech it's like that I recall. Solemnly fascinating. Yeah, fascinating, but solemnly. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It's like it's that's a good way to put it. Like cautiously optimistic or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I I <laughs> like know? that. And then and I'm not even sure like cuz AI is maybe a little bit more optimistic than nuclear missiles in some sense. Um but yeah, it's like whether to be optimistic or pessimistic about it, you know change is going to be gargantuan and you just right. don't know where the world's going to be. I like, you know, many of us legitimately we thought we'd be all dead in nuclear winter by now, right? Like, so growing up in the 80s, you know, 80s movies and everything were really, really fun, right? Like, remember, like, <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off yeah. or like whatever it is. Like, all these movies were just all about just fuck it, the world's going to end anyway, right? So it was a weird sort of like mm, paradoxical fun decade in, in terms of pop culture uh, because like there was this weird underpinning that we're all going to be blown to bits anyway. Yeah. And, um, that was, and then of course, after that period, we had the grunge period. Remember like where, you know, like everyone's like going down the, the, some sort of weird, like angsty rabbit hole, right? Like yeah. that was a thing, yep. but this, you know, what, what cultural shift is this going to create? And, you know, what are the songs that are going to be sung about this? What's the, what are the movies that are going to be produced with all the chaos that emerges from this? And like, whatever, like the, the, the whole cultural thing is going to be just like, to me, it's like, get out the popcorn, man. Like, I have this sort of general sense that like, there's a ton of things in the world I can't fix, right? Right. Like, um, yeah, we have, you know, I, I remind everyone that there's 10 trillion bacteria, bacteria on your body and only 1 trillion human cells. So we're actually more bacteria than we are human by yeah. numbers. It doesn't feel like that, right? Life goes on. In fact, we need those bacteria. We need all the bacteria in the world and on the planet to make our lives work and all the, the, the vegetables to grow and whatever else, right? Yep. So those are all part of the ecosystem and part of how we live. I don't control any of those things. I don't know when one of those bacteria are going to want to kill me, right? Like I get strep pneumococcal pneumonia and I die. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen to me. So do I need to sit and worry about something that and sit there and have anxiety about something I don't have a way to fix? Probably not. Um, if I could make a better world for my kids and like understand this better so that they do well in life and all, okay, fine. I, I can, I can see how that would play out. But even then there's only so much you can do, right? Like right. you don't know how much the influence, the influence the next AI is going to have on your kid. <laughs> you have no idea. You have, so to some extent, it's like you just sort of hope for the best and maybe plan for the worst or maybe not plan at all. I'm not sure which one, but like you can't sit around and just be upset about this sort of thing. Right. I Otherwise, think- if we had worked... If we had sat around worrying about like, oh, the world's going to end because of nuclear weapons, we'd all just be sitting here doing what now? Right. Like it still hasn't ended yet. (laughs) I guess it still could, but like it hasn't yet. And, um, you know, we'll live in a new world with this thing, um, with all these AIs running amok, doing their thing. There will be side effects and consequences. We'll have to decide individually as families and as societies, like how we want to shape our culture with this maybe the thing you know shapes our culture for us i don't know and maybe that culture's better maybe it's worse i have no idea either way i had no idea 30 years from now we'd be having this conversation right and i don't know what the conversation's gonna look like 30 years from now no idea like maybe it's 
just as weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or maybe a lot simpler. Maybe maybe the world becomes a lot simpler place because of this. I don't know. It's, Who knows? Like it, um, I think that's that's what's so intriguing about all of this for me is typically you can isolate something and have a pretty good idea of the effect that it'll have on you, your family, the people around you, maybe society at large. Who knows? But with this, it's like there's no precedent at all. There are endless mm-hmm. possibilities. There are so many things that could happen, both good and bad. So it's it's just a, a really interesting time that we get to see it happen live. And Oh, yeah. You know. So I I think that after all that we talked about today, that's that's a great way to wrap it up. And as much as I hate to do uh, a wrap up, but we are two hours and seven minutes in right now. We've we've yeah, yeah. through this pretty good. But um, man, an, an absolutely fantastic conversation. Um, just so much from the psychological perspective, I think in in the the little bit that I saw on my Twitter timeline, I saw some things about how people felt uh, integrating that into their little piece of crypto, but I haven't heard anyone talk at this level in the psychological standpoint um, that artificial intelligence brings. So, dude, again, thank you so much for taking the time and you know giving that perspective on all that yeah you know to to me these conversations are like a meditation in a sense they're they're a way to sort of just sit down and put your thoughts in the air and like try to make sense of it for ourselves so to me it's almost like mm, it's like a self-help session to talk it out you know what i mean it's like it's like it's almost therapeutic to sort of go wait a minute like what does this mean and like actually have to say it out loud as opposed to just thinking it in your head so it's kind of a cool experience to do this, you know, just for, from that from that angle. Well, good, man. Listen, uh, again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, we'll definitely have to do it again sometime. Uh, I'm sure that we'll be on uh, Twitter spaces here soon um, and, you know, continue on with the conversation. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know, um, give Sefi a follow on Twitter. His Twitter bio will be or the the link to his twitter will be down in the episode bio um anything else that uh you want to touch on before we hop off boss no sounds good awesome catch everyone later sounds good all All right right. guys we'll see you next time in the world yep